The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And a decision by the government to ban the sale of vapes to those aged under 18. We have two guests with us in a moment. We'll talk to Joe Dunn, Director of Hale Vaping. But first, Professor John Crown, Consultant Oncologist. What do you make of this decision? Is it really necessary? Happy Christmas to you and all your guests. And to um, you. Uh, I think it is necessary. It's a small step in the right direction. Uh, there is no doubt, and I suspect your other guests will agree with me on this, that vaping is far less injurious to health than is conventional smoking. And it is probably one of the most efficient, if not the most efficient strategy for getting people who are addicted to smokable tobacco off it. And we should encourage the use of vaping among smokers as an alternative to smoking. I'm strongly supportive of this. I think it's a basically a medicinal intervention. It is a medical intervention that should be guided and led by you know, healthcare workers, pharmacists, doctors, nurses. Uh, the problem, of course, is that... <clears throat> We see, because of the extraordinary level of marketing of vaping products, that it is being touted as something else. Uh, it is being uh, effectively pushed to non-smokers as, as a new habit that they can take up. And recent studies have suggested that the instance of vaping amongst teenagers is rising very alarmingly. And these are not people who are trying to get off cigarettes. These are people who are trying something new. Now, most of them will not become cigarette smokers. Uh, but certainly there are some people for whom it will be a gateway. In addition, vaping while being less harmful is not harmless. There's a very well-established medical literature on the harms that are associated with vaping. They're far less common than are associated with cigarette smoke, as far as we know, by the way. We've had hundreds of years of studying cigarette smoke and tobacco smoke. It's relatively short follow-up for people who've been vaping. But it certainly is not harmless. So I think it's very reasonable that we should aim for a model that it is used exclusively as a medical intervention to get people off smoking. And as such, I don't think there should be free retail access to it. Uh, I think it's the only way to make sure that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. I think it should be given under some kind of prescription regulation, etc., preferably by pharmacists. John, give us a little bit more detail, though, as to the damage it could do. Who would particular might be vulnerable as teenagers to the effects of vaping? Well, there, there are a number of issues that. One of them is, of course, just the sheer issue of nicotine. Nicotine is not what causes cancer, but nicotine is not good for you. And nicotine causes your heart rate to rise, it causes constriction of blood vessels, it causes damage to the inner lining of your blood vessels. Some people that have got some predispositions uh, to vascular disease will have it greatly exacerbated, not as much by smoking as by nicotine. As well as that, there's the inhalation of ultra-fine microparticles which get deeply into the lungs of people who are vaping. And there are a number of chemicals that have uh, dubious records including acetaldehyde, diacetyl, uh, and other chemicals which get in there, which are known to cause lung damage. There is a condition now which is increasingly uh, appreciated called EVALI, or uh, e-cigarette and vaping-associated lung injury, uh, which, for which there's a very large literature now, people that are developing bilateral shadowing in their lungs. Some people are finding that they're getting more severe attacks of infections, etc. if they have it. Now, I, I don't want to overstate this. I don't want to frighten smokers or let smokers use it as an excuse for not vaping. Vaping is far less harmful. If you are a smoker, it's much better for you. However, it's much better not to vape than to vape if you're a non-smoker. Okay, Joe Dunn, Director of Hale Vaping. What do you make of the government's decision to ban the sale of vapes to under-18s? Um, thank you for having me on, Matt. Um, yeah, listen, I think it's long overdue. It's something that's been in front of the government, I think, since before COVID. So obviously COVID held it up, but it is something that we've been pushing for as an industry <clears throat> for for many years. Um, I think it's great. 
I think the government have an opportunity, Matt, and 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 I do welcome the per, per, professor's statements. I, it's probably one of the first times I've heard someone from a medical background to be to be saying that vaping is less harmful because we don't hear it that often. But I think the government could could go a step further in this bill, Matt, because they're still discussing the licensing system and how that's going to work. And I really feel if we really want to curb the youth vaping, I think we need to restrict where these products can be sold. Um, I know I know professor mentioned uh, per, 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 prescription that I'll get to that in a second but I think it should be just kept to specialist vape stores and places where tobacco and alcohol are sold because they already deal with adult products that are regulated and need an age verification. I think we have an issue in the country and it's an issue across Europe where we have the likes of vape products being sold in phone accessory shops, maybe some sweet shops, maybe some toy shops. I think if we really restrict that I think that will really curb the, I suppose the youth issue that that is out there. I think the I think the age one is is a big one. It's well overdue, but I think we can go a step further if the government look at this licensing thing, which they haven't finalised yet. I think they could really put another nail in that coffin in in, in terms of in terms of restricting where where the products can be sold. Um, if we also look, Matt, sorry, in, in, in relation to the, in, the prescription model, Australia have a prescription model the past year. Um, their illegal illicit trade has increased by 48%. Last month alone, 32 tonnes of vaping products were seized. That's 24% of what's coming in. And the main thing, Matt, I really need to stress is that when you have illegal products coming in, what happens is over 70% of them illegal products into, into Australia have all the bad stuff and, and everything else which the professor was talking about there a minute ago. So the prescription model is not working in Australia. They're going to have to backtrack very soon. What we need to do, Matt, and the professor said it, and I'm really glad to hear somebody be be somewhat positive about vaping, it does help smokers quit. That is what we're all here for. We want smokers to create less harm to themselves. So we need to not put obstacles in the way of smokers by putting on prescription, by restricting flavours, by making it more hard for them to get these products. These products are there. Smokers are using them. Over 25% of smokers last year who quit used vaping products. It's the most successful tool out there. We need to get behind it. We need to keep following the evidence, but we need to follow the scientific evidence, not people's opinion. Okay, but what about getting rid of the flavours? Because isn't that what it seems to attract a lot of younger people and children to them, uh, that this sort of the sweetness in the flavours encourages them to vape? Um, I don't... I think the flavours, Matt, don't. I don't think they do that. If we look at the studies, we don't do any studies here. If we look at the studies in the UK and they study all the youth, Ash UK do a lot of studies all the time. The main reason why young people will try vaping is through interest. They're just inquisitive about it. Other friends use it. Flavours is actually fourth on the list. But the thing we have to remember about flavours, and this is one thing we need to be so careful for, over 75% of the adult vapors throughout Europe and in Ireland use non-tobacco flavours. If flavours were gone tomorrow, Matt, we are looking to push probably 180 to 200,000 people back to smoking in this country and back to a habit that will kill 65% of them. And the one point I always say, Matt, and this is the one point that people really need to listen to is that we're talking about restricting every flavour bar tobacco. Look at Nicorette. They don't have a tobacco flavour. Why? Because people do not like the taste of tobacco. They have mint, berry and fruit flavours similar to what's used in vaping. So we need to be very careful. If flavours are gone tomorrow, we are going to push over 75% of people back to a habit which kills 65% of them. And we cannot have that because vaping is an opportunity along with other smoking cessation tools that can help us reduce the numbers down. We're still at an 18% smoking rate. We need to get down to 5% as quick as we can. And I think we need to do it 
whatever we can to get there as quick as we can. Okay, to finish with you, so Professor John Cron, what do you make reckon about the flavours element? Is it acceptable if it's getting people away from the tobacco taste? Well, I'm not as hung up on the flavours, Matt. I mean, I think if a, a hardcore 30-year-long pack-a-day tobacco smoker finds it easier to take a, a flavoured vaping product than a non-flavoured vaping product, and if that's what they need to get off tobacco, <laughs> I'm very supportive of it. Again, my problem is this. That the common experience of everybody who, who knows children and school children and teachers that the prevalence of vaping in young teenagers is rising after, is rising very very quickly. Uh, now a proportion of those people will become nicotine addicts. There's no getting away from it. And if you are a nicotine addict, there's a real chance that you're going to gateway your way into smoking. So at a time when we're trying to really reduce the prevalence of smoking, the incidence of smoking in our society, and all the horrors of cigarette-associated diseases that sadly my colleagues and I see on a daily basis in cancer medicine and cardiology and respiratory medicine, we see these all the time. If we really are going to try and do our best to reduce the number of smokers, we need to reduce the number of nicotine addicts, and we should restrict the use of vaping products regulated fashion to those, strictly to those who are trying to get off cigarettes. And I can't see a way of doing that without it becoming medicalised. Thank you very much, Professor John Crown, consultant oncologist and Joe Dunn, director of Hale Vaping. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.